Hey guys, Rachel here. So, um, today's episode is actually going to have a different guest than what we're normally used to. Um, so she is the sister of a race car driver. And so I wanted to get her, um, her background story on how, you know, they all got involved in motorsports and also, you know, her experience being at the racetrack, um, supporting her brother. So, um, so yeah, so this is a little different. And also this is from the IndyCar side. Um, and we haven't had anybody from IndyCar on the podcast yet. So, um, so I wanted to, you know, do something a little bit different. And also we do talk about some things that are not racing related that I think, um, especially women that are listening to this podcast will be able to relate to. So, um, without further ado, we will get into it, but first, guys, we got to pay bills. So we are obviously, uh, sponsored by racingjunk.com and guys, I'm telling you, racingjunk.com has like everything that you can think of classified wise. So if you're trying to sell something, buy something, whatever it may be, um, definitely check out their website. Um, you can sign up for a free account. So you do not have to pay for an account, but they do have paid tiers as well. Obviously you get way more incentives, but you can start out for free. So definitely check out racingjunk.com for all your needs. And they are the official classified for race wife unfiltered. So let's get into it. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill, and today we have a special guest with us. She is a digital creator, a health coach, an author of the book Intuitive Style, a Method. A recent, like, just got married, like, not that long ago. We're talking about, like, what, a couple weeks ago? Um, And also, when you hear her name, you're probably going to be like, I've heard that last name before, and it's because she is the sister of a well-known IndyCar driver, um, Pato Award. So welcome, Elba Award. Hi, Elba. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Yeah, no, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, because I know you have so much stuff <laughs> going on. So for you to come on, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, you accepted the invitation. So no, absolutely. I, I'm so excited. I've actually never been on a podcast before. So this will be my first and wow. I'm already having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Actually, I'm very shocked that this is your very first podcast. Um, yeah. I would have assumed that people would have automatically wanted to talk to you so (laughs) but you know but yeah um so obviously you and Pato 
I mean, your childhood is different. You guys grew up in Monterey, Mexico, and then you ended up moving to the States later on in life, you know, to San Antonio. Um, and then obviously now, and then you went to college in Dallas. And so mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you guys kind of just had like this childhood where, you know, you just kind of went from one place to the next. And, yeah. um, and so like, when you guys were growing up in Mexico, like, were you guys, um, like, involved in motorsports in any way um, with Pato or? So it actually started because of my grandpa on my mom's side. Oh. So my mom's dad, he's always been into cars. He's always been, you know, into motorsports. And he actually raced when he was younger. So when we were little, he, um, one Christmas decided to gift all of his grandkids, um, some go-karts because that's what everyone starts on is a go-kart. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm scared. Don't put me on that. So, um, I didn't end up riding my go-kart. I later on gifted it to Pato, but Pato, the moment that he got that go-kart, he was like, put me on, I'm ready. He was, I want to say... I think he was like four years old when we got the go-karts, but that is like super young to start mm -hmm. racing. So he didn't actually get on and start until he was, I think, six. Oh, okay. So it was two years after that he started. And obviously once he got onto the go-kart, it was like no one could get him off. And it was, you know, his true love. So from then on, he's just been climbing up the ranks steadily. But it definitely started from my grandfather's love of cars and motorsport and there was definitely some racing history in the family on my mom's side oh okay yeah and, and which that's that's great that you know that he started at such a young age but yeah I mean hey it wasn't for you I mean that's okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I left that to to Pato and I was focusing on other stuff <laughs> that's so funny but he had like a immediate, you know, talent for it. So it worked yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely worked out, you know, for him. But I mean, for you, though, I mean, even though that that wasn't like something that you wanted to do, it's obvious how much you support your brother, um, you know, yes. and I mean, obviously, you you can tell that you're like his biggest fan. So <laughs> I think I honestly am. I think part of it is because we, we are so close in age, first of all, that it just made us naturally be really close with each other because we were just going through the same life stages at the same time. So we had lots to bond over and with all of the moving and having to move countries at such mm -hmm. a young age you come someplace new and truly your only friend is your family so right. like for a while he was all I had and I was all he had and it was that support system and that bond honestly got really strong because not only was he my brother he was also like my best friend and honestly that's stayed throughout our relationship as siblings and I'm really grateful for it because I know that it's not like, it's not a given to have friendships with your family. Family right. is family, but if you have an added friendship onto that, that's just a blessing. And it's, mm -hmm. I consider myself lucky. So 
I'm very, very grateful for it. And especially with motorsport being a, a, um, a little bit of a scary sport. Like there is right. some danger involved. Mm-hmm. You really learn to value those relationships even more. And just the thought of, you know, him being in a dangerous sport makes not only me, I think my parents as well, just be really, really grateful for all the moments that we have together. And it makes right. our relationship as a family, like really, really strong. I think we've, we've gotten, sorry, <laughs> we've gotten You're right. so close because of everything that we've, had to live through and lived through together so definitely I think just as a family unit we're really each other's biggest cheerleaders which is honestly awesome yeah and and you're absolutely right like when it comes to family yeah I mean you know you're born into a family but that doesn't always mean that you have the best relationship with your family but to be able to have that type of friendship that you and your brother have you know, on top of just, you know, being family. Yeah, yeah. it's a totally different situation, but it's, you know, and it's good because like you said, like when you guys moved here to the States, you know, he was really the only person you had until, yeah. you know, you were able to be grounded and be able to meet new yeah. people and stuff. But at that time, that's all you had. And it's like, if you guys wouldn't have had that close relationship, it would have been re- it would have been more difficult for you you know, oh my coming gosh. to a different place yes. and not knowing anybody. So, oh, absolutely. Like a hundred percent. I mean, we were really close before we moved, but I honestly think that moving was that turning point where we really got to be really close with one another, because like you say, like they're all you have. And when you're, you know, just starting to meet people and you don't have friends yet, and it's a completely new place it's really scary. So to not have been able to lean on my family and on my brother at that time, it would have been incredibly difficult. So I think that was a huge help in that time to help me adjust. And also for him to adjust, you know, for the family to adjust, it was really, really helpful to rely on those friendships, which as you say, they're not a guarantee. So Mm -hmm. honestly, we're really lucky. And it's one of my greatest blessings I think is my family and those close relationships I have with with all three of them my mom dad and obviously Pato (laughs) right right and and I mean obviously you guys um being such a close-knit family it's like you guys are so supportive of each other and and I mean just from Pato's videos like you can just see your friendship and like I love it because it's like you know not all brothers and sisters have that type of relationship Mm -hmm. and so it's yeah um it's it's neat to see like how you guys are with each other because it's like you know not not everybody gets a chance to have that type of relationship with their family and um you guys definitely like really support each other 100% so yeah no absolutely it it makes me a little sad that it's not more common than it is right but i know that it's it's difficult to and it requires effort on both parties to actually find common ground and get along and put that effort in and, um, I think it does truly make all the difference in the world though, because in life you go through so many tough stages and if you can't rely on your family too, it just makes everything so much harder. Yeah, <laughs> It really does. So 
it's just nice to, on top of having, you know, family, which you are bonded to, like for life to actually enjoy (laughs) being with these people and actually like them. But, um, yeah, I think so many people comment on like how we get along and that we're great friends. And I think it's really sweet that people can see how we get along. And even then I feel like what is shown isn't always like, I mean, they, we show some of our relationship, Mm -hmm. but also a lot of it is like not, you know, like real life is sometimes different from what right. is portrayed. And I feel like if people actually saw also even behind the scenes how we genuinely love supporting each other and talking about everything with each other and laughing with each other. He makes me laugh more than truly anyone else I know. He's just so freaking funny. And um, I feel like he – I'm happy that we have this relationship too because – as he's going through stressful times in his life, I feel like he also needs someone to rely on that isn't a mother or father figure. Like he needs friends. He also Mm -hmm. needs people that you can just talk to without feeling like you're going to get, you know, reprimanded or scolded or get like that parental advice. Right. You know, when I was younger, you you know, like sometimes Mm -hmm. you need someone else, someone different, someone your age. And since we're so close in age, I think it just helps him to have someone to lean on and someone to talk to without it being your parent. So it's really nice that he has that. And on my end, it's just invaluable the amount of support and happiness I get from being close with him because he's such a special person in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of him and everything he's done. Like I consider it a privilege to be close to him and be able to share all of his success and his wins with him so it truly is really special and I'm I'm happy that as he is growing on social media people are getting a little bit of a glimpse of truly how close-knit not just I am with him and he is with me but like our entire family like parents included it's not just us that are close and then like we don't like our parents like (laughs) (laughs) it literally is like a family unit um so it's really cool to be able to share that with the world. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, it's it's a great thing to see just like in IndyCar because of the fact that, you know, with you guys being from Mexico, you know, it also puts that, you know, inclusion and it's some, and it's brought like new fans to the sport as well that, you know, IndyCar did not really have before. And so, you know, just seeing how much, you know, the Hispanic community has c- come behind Pato and yourself, you know, just your whole entire family to support, you know, what, you know, what he's doing and what you guys are doing is a huge thing as well. Because, you know, that that was definitely something that IndyCar didn't really have. They didn't have yeah. a ton of inclusion like that. And so I think that's an amazing thing because it's bringing other people into the sport that weren't really there, you know. That is so true. That's absolutely so true. And it's been so cool to see his, just the fan base and the community grow mm-hmm. and to have a little piece of home with us because even though we grew up here in the States, our roots and our home is still Mexico and it'll always be Mexico. So it's really cool to have that piece of home with us. It's such a huge part of our identity Mm -hmm. that it feels really cool to have them support us in that way and be so vocal about it and be so 
visual about it. Like they're not shy about, you know, supporting him and commenting and liking and sharing and sending him DMs and making fan pages. It's all stuff that I feel like maybe sometimes people think that we don't see it mm-hmm. because we're bombarded with so much right. stuff on social media. But we do see it. We may not have time to like like and comment mm-hmm. and respond, but we see it and it means the world and it's so cool to see how people are really lifting him up and it makes all the difference when he has like a a bad day or maybe a race didn't go as planned. Even with me when I'm having bad days, like that community is there and it's so cool how kind and uplifting they are. I think we're really lucky and especially myself with how my social media has grown. When I started it, I didn't really know what I was getting into and you don't know the kind of people that are going to be attracted to you or your content or your page. And I've just been blown away with the kindness of the people that have been drawn to my page and how sweet they are and uplifting and just the good energy all around has been incredible. And I'm so grateful that my community is that way because I know it's not the norm in social media and social Mm -hmm. media can go dark really easily. So I feel like I've made this little like positive bubble. Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind people yeah and I feel like that's the same with Pacha's fans they're really sweet people that genuinely care about him and his success and are there to lift him up when he's down and that's just so special to have yeah it is and and you're right I mean honestly just looking at Pacha's page and your page yeah you guys don't really get like a ton of negative stuff which (laughs) I love that for you guys because you don't have to deal with that um yeah but yeah, because especially your page, like, it's just so like, sweet. It's always people just saying the nicest things about yeah, you. Yeah, they're so kind. And obviously, everyone gets their fair share of like yeah. critiques and negative things. Mm-hmm. But I'm just grateful that as far as I've come up to this point, it has remained such a positive mm-hmm. space, which is just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in definitely um, people can be horrible on social media sometimes. Oh so my obviously, yeah. yeah, for you guys to be kind of in a bubble, that's really not a bad thing. You know? yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, it, it just shows that the right people are following you guys and, you know, and you're able to connect with them and you don't have to feel like, you know, you're going to have these negative reactions to, you know, to any of your content or whatever. And yeah. I, I love that. And honestly, I'm kind of in the same bubble as you because like I haven't had any negative stuff so far, which I find it weird because like I've been doing this for a year and it's like I was Good just waiting. Though. I was waiting. Like, you know, so I'm like that was one thing yeah. my husband told me. He's like, if you're going to put yourself out there, you have to be okay with like some people just not liking you or your yeah. content. And I'm like, okay, like I, I get that, but I've yeah. just been very fortunate that yeah. I haven't had any negative things yeah. so far. Oh my gosh. Um, but, I love that for you too. That makes me very happy that you've been able to like navigate the positive side yeah. of the media. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that, you know, that it hasn't been negative because of like the type of content that I put out because it's mm-hmm. all about supporting women that are in this industry in motorsports, yeah. no matter what they do, whether yeah. they're, you know, like you, like where you're behind the scenes, you know, supporting yeah. your brother 
or if it, if, you know, they're a driver themselves, whatever, you know, whatever a woman is doing in this sport, I mean, we're yeah. still all a part of the same community and I want all of us to be able to share our stories. And I'm just glad that people are actually supporting it and nobody's like bashing any of these women yeah. because that is like the last thing I want. Cause that's what yeah. we're all about is supporting like women, supporting women. I don't yeah. want any of these women to be treated you know, any different, you know, just because they're a woman in the sport. So. Absolutely. And you never know. I mean, motorsport, motorsports in general has been like a male dominated. Exactly. Thing. So of course it's only logical to assume that there would be maybe some people Mm -hmm. that just don't like it, that they're like, Hey, this is our space. Like don't, don't come in and try to like steal the spotlight or take up too much space in our Mm -hmm. area. Like I completely see where there would be like apprehension and fear about the, how it would be received. But what's really cool is how I feel like even in my brother's team, there are more and more women being added to the team every day. And it's just, growing across the board right and I think even the even the fan base of motorsport has become bigger and bigger among the girls which mm-hmm. is the coolest thing like there used to be only men that watched these things and right now girls are watching and enjoying too so not only is it growing on you know who's working and behind the scenes and this and that but also the viewership so yeah that is just the coolest thing to see unfolding and I think it's only going to keep growing yeah I agree and and the biggest thing is is that we have more women in motorsports now than we've ever had um Mm -hmm. and it's like when when young girls and other women see women in the sport they feel represented and so it may it gives them a reason to watch um Mm -hmm. and so I think that's why you were starting to see a lot more women actually being a part of motorsports now is because we had, we, you know, we, this is the most women we've had in a very long time, mm-hmm. you know, cause I mean, even like with NASCAR right now, the amount of women that they have in NASCAR, that's the most they've ever had yeah. ever, you know? And then you, you do have some women, um, you know, that are in IndyCar that, you know, work behind the scenes. And then you have, um, and then you obviously have F1 Academy, which is a whole grid of women you know so yeah this is a totally different time and we have way more women now that are that are actually like being seen and Mm -hmm. I think that's why we're starting to see more women get involved because it's like oh okay well you know we see that there's more women coming into the sport and they it doesn't feel as male dominated like there's enough women coming in now where it's like you can actually see them. It's not like one or two women and then that's it. (laughs) Exactly. No, a hundred percent. Like you actually feel represented. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I love about how this is changing. Cause, um, I mean, for like for myself, I mean, I've been around motorsports for 19 years now because my husband races, my husband races locally, but you know, we, we've all, Honestly, I didn't even know anything about motorsports before I met him. I had no idea. <laughs> I was completely lost. And you it, learned among along yeah, the way. Yeah, I did. And honestly, now I'm like, where was this all my life? Because yeah. it, you know, it 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 becomes a part of your life. It's like a, yeah. a lifestyle, and um, and so 
just seeing how it's progressed from when I got into it till now. Yeah. Like it's a huge change. We just have way more women now than what we've ever had. And, um, and I'm glad that, you know, it's becoming a norm where you're starting to see women come into the sport, uh, no matter what organization it is. Oh yeah. And, um, and you know, they actually feel represented and it doesn't feel, it doesn't fully feel like a boys club, you know? (laughs) Exactly. It's a little bit more inclusive now. It's we love, which is really exciting. No, a hundred percent. That's so true. And I mean, you've been in this for far longer than I have. So you've seen truly like the full evolution. I feel like I didn't really get into the world of, racing until Pato got to IndyCar Mm -hmm. and things started getting really, really serious. And even then, there's been a huge learning curve in just understanding all of the intricacies that go into racing and even just winning a race. Mm -hmm. There was so much that I didn't understand because IndyCar was the first time his races had tire changes and and fueling. And so it was learning all of these things and how everything is intertwined, how when you stop can completely change the outcome of your race, how the yellow flags impact your results, how you need to schedule out your tires because some last longer than others or they'll be faster, but then they degrade and how the heat plays a role. Like Mm -hmm. it's so much more complicated than honestly, probably any other sport I have seen at completely because it's not only dealing with, you know, the athlete, but also the machine, which are plus the teams plus luck and just Mm -hmm. how things unfold during a race. So once you learn all of these elements, honestly, watching a race, it's just the most thrilling thing. And it's definitely like you say, it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes even honestly addicting. Like Mm -hmm. once you are in it, you cannot, let go because there's nothing else like it. Yeah, no, it definitely is addictive. Um, and just, um, being at a racetrack is addictive within itself. Like it (laughs) just, the experience, um, and that, and that's something that, I mean, obviously my husband races dirt, so it's totally different, but, (laughs) but but even so, yeah, just being at a racetrack, is so like and that's what I try to tell people all the time it's like it's so different from watching it on tv like oh, yeah. what you're getting on tv doesn't even compare because yeah. the experience at a track there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that fans actually get to be a part of that you don't see on tv that mm-hmm. it does like you wouldn't be able to fully understand it unless you went um and so yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't get that. They just assume that it's a lot like what they see on TV, and that's pretty yeah. much how you see the race. But it's yeah. a totally different perspective whenever you're at an actual racetrack. So, yeah, yeah um, we always try to get people to go to a race, like, if they've never been to one. Because it's like, yeah. if once you go to a race, then you really understand, like, why we enjoy it. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you, you get to see it from from our point of view. Um, and yeah, so that's why we're always doing that. But like, I, I've only been to one IndyCar race and that was actually, wow, 
oh wow that was seven years ago oh my god it was at texas motor speedway oh, um wow. because we we were actually living in um the dallas fort worth area at the time okay and um we had just moved there actually and um and obviously we were living in um north richland hills so oh. yeah was so, it kind of close because i know the track is kind of like it was, middle of no- it's about 20 i think it was 20 minutes from where we okay. lived yeah it wasn't okay. too Not bad yeah mm-hmm. no um and so we went we went and saw the an indy the indy car race then and that was like the best race I had ever seen in my life. Like it so was cool. It was oh, yeah, God. it was. And it Amazing. was crazy. It was crazy how, you know, the racing was. Um, but yeah, that was the only IndyCar race I ever got a chance to go to. Um, because, you know, we live in Louisiana, so it's not like, you know, there's an yeah, IndyCar there's race anything, really close. Yeah. It's like Texas yeah. Motor Speedway is the closest for us. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was definitely um, a great experience, and I definitely yeah. want to go to an IndyCar race again. Um, oh my gosh, you yeah. absolutely have to! I feel like they just are getting better and better with every season that goes by. Yeah, because um, I mean, for us, like the closest like tracks that they would go to, yeah, would be Texas, and then wow, um, actually, I think. Hmm. Um, wow, I don't know if there was any, anything else that's close enough besides Texas. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that is the closest one for us. Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. now I'm thinking about it, especially the schedule this year. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else that is close. Enough. No, it's just, I think it's just te- that I think it would have only been Texas, but yeah, yeah. like regardless, you would have had to. To travel big time. Yeah. 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 But I definitely, bucket list is Indy 500. I always wanted to go to the Indy 500. So, like, that is definitely one I want to go to. So, yeah. No, that is, that would be absolutely incredible. I always tell my husband's parents that if they go to one race, it has to be that one. Right. Yeah. The Indy 500 is automatically like it i mean that's a historical race it, it's yeah. automatic it's like the epitome of motorsport it's like you have to go to that one <laughs> yeah i i completely agree we need to manifest that for you yeah for you to go. yeah yeah we're definitely gonna go one year um but yeah obviously though like the i mean you just do so many things besides <laughs> supporting pato i mean you wrote a book which Yes. Congratulations. I mean, because honestly, like, I know writing a book is not the easiest thing. So <laughs> no. it's a lot. And yeah. so I know that that was not a simple, you know, thing to, for you to do. But I love that you called it intuitive style because I don't think a lot of people think about style as an intuitive thing. No, um, not and at all. so I not love that you called it that because I'm like, you know, just the just the title makes it so interesting because it's like, yeah, most people <laughs> don't you. think of style being an intuitive, you know, like an intuitive process. Yeah, so. no, not at all. And I think that's honestly what pushed me to write it because I would get so many messages from girls asking, you know, for advice on 
how to put outfits together or how to get dressed in the morning saying, you know, they never know what to wear mm-hmm. or if they do know what to wear, they just don't feel their best in what they're wearing. Like right. it's not really reflecting them, who mm-hmm. they are, what, how they want to feel. Um, and I just realized that I honestly don't even know how or why, but throughout the years, I had just developed this method inside my head of how to get dressed and how to understand clothes. But it was so weird that, you know, when you do something so naturally, you think that Mm -hmm. it comes naturally to other people, but essentially it's not. Like uh, for other people, it was a completely foreign concept of like how can style be intuitive because it's actually hard and you're thinking about rules and like this goes with that or this goes with that and you're thinking about all these do's and don'ts because any you know style book that I'd ever come across was Mm -hmm. always about these kind of clear-cut rules of like okay dress for your body type and you can wear this and you can't wear that Mm -hmm. and then or like oh dress according to your color season wear these colors not these and it was always the black and white. Right. And I feel like it's just not realistic and no one wants to wake up in the morning, go into their closet and have to read five diagrams of yes or no rules to get dressed. Like it's right. just so unrealistic. Yeah. And I've never come about, like I've never approached style in that way. So I really thought that it would be incredible to give women a tool to really dress in a way that makes them feel their best without it being a headache, without it being difficult, without it being something stressful. I actually Mm -hmm. wanted it to be something that they would look forward to doing. And the goal of the book is actually to teach you all of the kind of ways of thinking that I've adopted so that you can go into your closet and naturally be able to put things together depending on either the weather or your mood or anything. And you use that, you use your own guidance of how you want to feel to get dressed and so I think that's where intuitive came in because it speaks to an inner knowing it's you're not going to someone else to tell you how to dress you're tapping into yourself and I thought that was so unique and valuable I really wanted to share that because I also think that nowadays more than at any other point in history with the rise of social media people are starting to look so similar to one another in terms of style. Like it's almost crazy. It looks like a copy paste of an Mm -hmm. outfit for tons of people. And I feel like with wanting to keep up with trends, we've just started to lose a little bit of our identity and what we wear and how we portray ourselves. And I, the book was my effort in, guiding people back to themselves and their style and how they feel because I've developed my own personal style but even then when I see another girl dressed in something that maybe I would never wear it but I can recognize the beauty and the genius of it and it makes it so much cooler to see someone like dressing authentically like you know that's their style you know they feel beautiful and that you know they feel confident in that and it's awesome to see like I never wanted to write a book that said, you know, dress like me. I mm-hmm. want you to dress like you. And that was the point of the book. So when you read it, it truly is nothing about like rules or telling you to do this or that. I actually don't tell people anything. I'm just showing them how to 
learn the language of clothes. I think that's what truly taught me how to have good style is just understanding that clothes have their own personalities. They have their own essence almost like there's different things that'll evoke different feelings in people and make us feel different things. Like if I wanted to feel really feminine and sensual, I would probably go for like a silky dress or Mm -hmm. a silky skirt, something really chic, but I wouldn't go for a pair of jeans. And why is that? You know, like Mm -hmm. when you actually try to think about that, it's because every single piece of clothing you have owned, have ever seen, they all actually have their own feelings that they bring about. But if I wanted to be comfy and, you know, I'm going out for coffee with a friend, I would probably not want a silky dress. (laughs) I would want like sweatpants or a pair of jeans. So Mm -hmm. just understanding that in itself helps people get dressed so much quicker, easier and intuitively because all you need to do is think about how do I want to feel today? Right. And that guides you to your clothes. So it was really cool to write. It was actually easy to sit down and get all the thoughts out because they were all so natural to me. They were all just in my head. I just needed to get it out. What was so tedious was the editing and going back and reading it again and editing it and then having to format it all together. It was all the technical stuff (laughs) that was really a huge headache. And I was writing it while planning my wedding. So I don't even know how I did it. I don't even know how I finished. I definitely had lots of help. My mom helped me a ton and I got an amazing translator that helped me translate it to Spanish as well. Oh, okay. So that was a huge help. But um, once I got it out and done, I felt incredibly proud. And anytime I hear someone mention the book to me or like send me a message about it or tag me with the book, I feel so wonderful inside I feel like they have a little piece of me in their Mm -hmm. hands and it makes me happy to think that they can get something really positive out of it yeah and um and I love how you said that it's like why why are we making style about rules like you know oh you can't like like the whole you can't wear white after labor day thing or like this or that and it's like wait what like why do I have to remember all of these things when I go straight into my closet like oh no I can't wear these colors because they don't they're not like because of my shape or whatever it's like why are we doing that to ourselves it's like if I love bold colors I want to wear them because I like them you know and yeah it's like and and like you mentioned how um you know, people tend to follow trends and a lot of people are starting to wear a lot of the same stuff. And I'm noticing like, even like, even with neutrals these days, like, which there's nothing wrong with having a neutral wardrobe, like neutral palettes and stuff. But I'm noticing like everybody is doing like bare neutrals, like whites and like the beige and that's it. And it's like, where's the people with color like why are we not adding color into like anything like I mean it's it's coming it's to the point where it's not even just with clothes it's in home decor it's in everything now like everybody wants to be just bland and I'm like why why do you want to do that like I I love color like and and that it's just the craziest thing because it's like so many people are like why like why do you want to just go with plain everything 
Yeah. But I just love color. And I, I think yeah. having color, you know, in your life, honestly, it it kind of makes you happier too. Cause yes. it's like, you know, it doesn't, it's like not everything seems boring and bland. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I feel like there's a lot of people that do like color, but it's almost yeah. like they're holding back because it's not on trend. It's yeah. not on trend anymore. And so it's like, oh, well, if I go against trend, then like, you know, it's, it's almost like needing that external validation from people. Yeah. And I think that's where like social media is a downfall because it's yeah. like people automatically are worried about about getting that validation through a social media post. And they know, yeah. oh, well, it's not on trend. So if I post that, I'm probably going to get hate in the comments. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just starts to be so much of the same thing. And somewhere along the way of playing this game of comparison, we start to lose our own identity, which is what makes us so special. So right. with decor, I 100% see it with style, 100%, even more so like people just kind of copying what they see. Yeah. Um, and for some of them, it may be, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting inspired by mm-hmm. what other people are wearing, as long as it's actually an authentic reflection of you and what you right. like in your own style. Um, and I think having good, authentic style always is taking inspiration, but making it your own and putting your twist on it and just making things feel like they are your own. Mm-hmm. So... I know I have friends of mine that you can so tell when people have different kinds of styles and what they feel comfortable in. So when I was writing the book, I really had that in mind of not making it feel like a rule book where everyone who reads is, is going to end up looking the same. Right. I think it's going to be totally the opposite that everyone who reads it, the goal is for them to really tap into what are the clothes that I love that make me feel good and really lean into that. Like if your thing is colors, like bring that into your wardrobe. Or if your thing is really comfy clothes, like if you're sporty, bringing that in and having lots of cool sneakers and your, you know, joggers and sweatpants and t-shirts and jeans, all the comfy things. But then there's other girls that are more feminine. So for Mm -hmm. them, I would love them to tap into, you know, get your like frilly skirts and the baby pink tops and the bows and flower like patterns, all Mm -hmm. of that. Everyone has their personality, but it's so much harder to see when we're trying to just be trendy or stay on what we think people want to see from us. So I think it's really valuable to just lean into that knowing and that intuition Mm -hmm. of what you like and what makes you feel good. And I think honestly, that's what makes a really good outfit too, is, is not only obviously the clothes themselves, but you can tell when someone is wearing something that makes them feel good. Like that's the best thing to seize. And, um, something I also think that I just really hold as like a deep belief in me is that clothes. I talk about this a lot in the beginning of the book, just kind of setting everything up that, I think style is actually a form of self-care, which Mm -hmm. is not a very like common belief or thing that people think about in that way. I feel like the common thing is to think it's just superficial or like vain even. It has such a negative connotation to be involved with 
how you look, which makes me sad because I think that it is self-care to feel good about ourselves in a way. Like if you are dedicating yourself to uplifting yourself through taking care of yourself, looking in a way, like looking good, you feel good, you feel better equipped to handle the day. You know, I know that when I actually get ready and I put an effort into wearing something that I love that makes me feel good, I just go about the day more confident, sure of myself, you feel good. It's a connection that is so untapped, like Mm -hmm. the mood with, with style and how you're dressed, like what you're putting on your clothes. Like it's truly so powerful. So I would love to, with the book, also give women kind of that new perspective of it's not superficial to invest in yourself and to take care of yourself and give yourself that pleasure and that joy of looking in the mirror and thinking I'm beautiful and I feel confident and I feel strong because you carry that with you throughout your day and it really does make all the difference so I just I love that and I've really tried to put that throughout the whole book is that feeling of it's self-care to think about your clothes and what you're wearing they're so intimately tied to your personality and your mood your self-expression everything yeah and I I love what you said about that it being self-care because it it really is I mean because it's like if you like if you don't feel confident in the clothes that you're wearing I mean it it affects your whole entire mood like you're not going to feel good that day And it's like, you can tell when somebody's, like you said, when somebody's wearing an outfit that makes them feel good, like you, their confidence shines, like it's Mm -hmm. obviously there. Um, And you can just tell the difference. And even in photos, like, and that's a lot, a lot of times on social media, like you can see, you can tell if that person truly loves what they're wearing or if they're just doing it just because it's trend. Because yeah. you can even just tell by their body language and by their facial expressions if they truly love what they're wearing or not. Yeah. And it's like if you can tell if it's authentic or if it or if it's not just by looking at a photo. And yeah. yeah um, and I agree. It's like, you know, I would rather not be on trend and be happy. <laughs> right. And be happy in what I'm wearing and be confident than to be in something that's on trend, but it's not something that I even like to wear. Exactly. So, yeah. Because what what good are we doing? Like, are we really serving ourselves if we're just forcing ourselves to wear something just because? I think I, it doesn't really bring us anything positive. So when on the contrary, if you really lean into the clothes that make you feel good, I think it just gives you all the more power to go out and like live your best life because you are confident, you are unafraid, you feel beautiful, you feel strong. And it just, it's like kind of like armor, like putting Mm -hmm. on your armor for the day and this beautiful, stunning armor and you can face the world as your best self. Uh, In other ways, I think style can also be like a costume, like depending on how you feel, you can really play that up. And if you're feeling very fun and flirty one day you can have fun with patterns and uh textures and clothes and mixing and matching if you're feeling very like serious and you know uh formal you can Mm -hmm. have like a power suit on like it's just so 
fun to play around with clothes and they give us so much space to be creative and have fun that I feel like it should be explored and tapped into instead of it just being kind of like a chore of like, oh my goodness, what am I going to wear today? And then you go into your closet and you're like, I have nothing to wear and nothing feels good. And it just becomes something annoying when it can truly be something like a highlight of your day to pick your, your armor or your costume or anything for the day. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think a lot of it too is people don't always know where to start because it's like, they just bought clothes like, and didn't really like think about all of that. And so honestly, you've probably like had a ton of people just clear their closets out from reading your book (laughs) (laughs) because they're like, you know what? Yeah. I don't like any of this stuff. Like, yeah. let's just chunk the whole closet away yeah. and go get new clothes. Because yeah. I have a feeling that I, I'd be one of those people. Because, like, I know there's clothes that I don't even wear and they're just sitting in my closet. <laughs> and I'm like, and I keep looking at my closet, like, every day. And I'm like, I really need to get rid of, like, a ton of this stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. I just never take the time to do it. Yeah. And, yeah, I'd be one of those people. Like, I'd just be like, like you know what? Let's just, let's just throw like half the closet away and see what we have left. You know? I'm so, oh my God, I'm dying. That's so funny. But yeah, probably that happens with a lot of people, but Hey, it's a good sign to at least have a clear picture in your mm. mind of like, okay, at least you know what is not working for you. Right. And then you can actually start looking for and leaning into what does work for you. Mm-hmm. So even then every step is like a step forward as long as we are taking those steps and actually like thinking about that but that is so funny you mentioned that I hadn't thought of it that way but (laughs) probably a lot of people were like okay I'm gonna burn half my closet (laughs) yeah (laughs) well sometimes and even what you said about like buying things without really even thinking about it oh my gosh I feel like that happens to so many people so many Mm -hmm. of us that we just go and we go to shop without actually having a goal in mind right And you end up buying like 10 different things and none of them are actually like what you need in your closet. Mm -hmm. So even just being aware of like, okay, I just threw out half my closet and I have like no good jeans. Then at least you go shopping and you're like, okay, I know that I need a good pair of jeans instead of just going like without a game plan. And then you spend Mm -hmm. all of this money on things that you're going to wear like once or twice. And then Mm -hmm. you're stuck with expensive things that you can't even wear, you know, like multiple times. So I definitely, I dedicated like a whole chapter to this in the book of um, like shopping strategically and just Mm -hmm. kind of being more smart about, okay, if I'm going to go shop and this is my budget, like how do I distribute the budget? Like what am I going to spend more on? What am I going to spend less on? And basically the gist of it is that we should dedicate the majority of our shopping budgets to things that we can wear literally if we wanted to every single day like those Mm -hmm. things that are just gonna be the workhorses of your closet usually it translates to things that are on the more like not bland side but they're just more of a blank slate that you mm-hmm. can combine with tons of different things. Because right. if you were to wear like a cheetah printed skirt, if you wear that every day, everyone will notice that you're yeah, wearing that exactly. cheetah print skirt. But if you have a pair of like black pants, mm-hmm. people won't really know. Like it's right. just a 
black pants. So you can honestly, you could wear that five times out of the week and mm-hmm. still look like super versatile with what you combine it with. Right. So at like a pair of jeans is one of those things that mm-hmm. you, you could wear your pair of jeans literally every day. And as long as you're like mixing up the top, you'll look different. Right. You know? Um, so definitely focusing on those items and having more of those in our closet is what I've noticed really helps me get dressed in the morning because you have these things that you can combine with so many different things and you can wear often. So you just get so much use out of them versus when I go for things that are a little bit more kind of out there, I Mm -hmm. love them, but I can't wear them every day. So I have to be more strategic about like, okay, if I want something like that, maybe don't spend too much on it. That Mm -hmm. way it's not costing you so much like per wear, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. Like actually thinking of it in that way, whenever you go like shopping for clothes is like, you know, if I'm going to be able to wear this every day, obviously the amount of money that I spent, it's worth it because it's like, I could wear this every single day and actually get all the use that I need out of it. Unlike something like, you know, that we might buy for like a special occasion where we might not wear it ever again. Or if we do wear it again, it might not be to like a year from now. Exactly. You know, because it's not something that you wear very often. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, yeah, you have to think of it in that way. It's like, is this, was this worth the money? What yes. is this worth the money to spend? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because some things, if you're going to be wearing it a lot, then it's worth it to get something that's mm-hmm. more high quality because it'll right. actually last you all of those times that you're using it. Because if you go for something that, you know, you want to use every day, but it's not super high quality mm-hmm. with just a couple washes. It's going to be like completely starting to like deteriorate right. depending on, you know, what materials are used. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my goodness, I spent this money and I was trying to save, but in reality, then I ended up not even being able to use it. Yeah. So it even comes at like, you kind of have to develop like the, the mindset for it of like, okay, what can I actually afford to, quote unquote, invest in. And mm-hmm. then what can I afford to just like really save on? Like if right. you have a special occasion, you can afford to save on things and be like, okay, let's not break the bank on this thing. Cause I'm mm-hmm. literally going to once. Right. Um, but with other things that you're going to wear all the time, then it is more useful to just look for something a little bit more high quality. Maybe it's a little bit more expensive, but it'll actually last you right. actually years. I have pieces in my closet that look as good as new that I've had for years that are look like those basic pieces that you can just mm-hmm. use over and over again. And it really does make all the difference to have some of those. It makes it easier because every time there's a new season come about, you have your like staples that you use right. last year that are still in style this year and still work for you. And like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't really think about is having like staples, having almost like a capsule wardrobe, Yeah, you know, where it's like, okay, I have like these specific pieces that I can use all the time. And then Mm -hmm. if I want something else to like pair it with, you know, that's fine. But I always have these specific pieces um, and yeah, I, I, it's like, 
I don't know, that just seemed like a new thing to a lot of people. And I think yeah. it's because of social media. Like a lot of a lot of like stylists have started like posting about having capsule wardrobes. And yeah. it's like people didn't really think about that before. It was just yeah. like you just went you just went shopping and you just would buy whatever and you wouldn't yeah. even really think in that way. Um, but it makes sense because then you don't have to really buy clothes as much as you truly think you have to. Exactly. It helps bring down the shopping so much. And even then when you do want to go shopping, you get to focus on the fun stuff, not on the basics because you have that covered. Right. So you can focus on like, okay, it's summertime. Like I want a really cute, like flowery summer dress Mm -hmm. and you go get something fun or you go get like a new bag and like a fun color, like Mm -hmm. a like red is trending this, this year. Um, and like 2023 was a huge trend too. So you can go out and you can get like this bright red bag. So when you go out and you're putting your outfits together, if you want a fun, like pop of color, you have your new bag. So it is cool to just build up those capsule wardrobes and just those key pieces that are really timeless will never go out of style. And you can focus on embellishing your outfits with new and fun stuff. And I think that's where trends can come in is Mm -hmm. in things like your accessories or a piece here and there. And you can actually afford to do that. If you have your like strong foundation, you kind of get to think of it as like a house. Your foundation is Mm -hmm. like your basics and the things that you can use literally every day. Um, And then you get to have fun with the finishes of, you know, your accessories or a trendy thing or something like that. But it makes it, work for you if you have that foundation because if all you had in your closet was super duper trendy things then every season you would be faced with like the daunting task of literally rebuilding your closet from Mm -hmm. scratch and that is just it it sounds expensive it sounds painful (laughs) it sounds unpleasant it sounds stressful yeah we're just talking about it so I can't imagine having to do that Mm -hmm. it's been Ever since I've started focusing on just building up those key pieces, I've really noticed a difference in when the new season comes around, there's less of a need to kind of start from scratch again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not just that, like a lot of people actually don't even really pay attention to seasons too. Like, cause you know, it's yeah. not, you know, and so it's like, but yeah, like you mentioned, if you are just using trendy stuff, yeah, you would have to rebuild like every single season. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's stressful. Like I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to do anything yeah, like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but too stressful. And the thing is, it's like so obviously you were you wrote this book all about fashion and stuff, but the thing is most people won't won't know this but you did not go to college for anything fashion related at all no. you went you went to school for psychology and in this um philosophy which yeah. is a totally different thing it's so it's so like different. <laughs> but, like, but yeah. at the same time though I do notice like with you talking about the intuitive style if you think about it in a way that does kind of bring in you know your psych background because it's like you're kind of breaking down processes so it's like it so it works but the fact that like obviously you didn't major in like fashion design or fashion merchandising or nothing like that so for you to be like so in tune with how fashion works it's like you know obviously that was something that you learned 
So Yes, because that's so cool that you mentioned that because it is true. It literally has nothing to do with what I studied, but I kind of love that because it goes to show that you don't need those kinds of degrees mm-hmm. to have really good personal style, style that right. feels good to you. That makes you feel good. You really don't need that. So it's empowering to think that the knowledge can be within you. And then all you need to do is to kind of tap into that yourself. And with just a little help along the way of understanding, like what we were talking about of how clothes have their own personalities, Mm -hmm. as long as you get that knowledge and you understand that the rest you can do completely on your own because the rest is truly about your own personality and what makes you feel good. And that'll guide you towards, you know, your clothes, but it is kind of a psychological thing. I think it mixes like the psychology and the philosophy of it's kind of a new philosophy of style Mm -hmm. and treating it in a completely different way than it has. Usually, usually it's kind of like a textbook thing, a yes or no, a black or white. And this new philosophy is very much all gray areas. It's kind of anything you can, you want it to be, it can Mm -hmm. be. Um, and definitely bringing in a little bit of psychology in specifically understanding the tie between our clothes and how we feel and just our moods is, is incredible. And that's definitely like a highlight throughout the whole method, because essentially the, the message that the book is trying to get across is that what truly should guide you in getting dressed is what makes you feel good and what will make you feel confident and beautiful. And that's all, like you say, it's like a psychological connection between Mm -hmm. the two. So I love that you mentioned that because it's so true. You're helping me make connections (laughs) (laughs) with the book and, and my degrees that I thought had nothing to do with each other, but they truly do. I can see like the, the connections now, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you know, it like you said, it's a t- totally different way of looking at style that most like most people that write books when it comes to style, they don't talk about, you know, yeah. it, it's all pretty much like you said, it's almost like this cut and dry black and white thing about rules. And, yeah. you know, and oh, this is the season, like this is when these seasons are this is what you're supposed to wear, like these colors, these things, you don't wear this other stuff, you know? And, and the thing is, it's like, that really limits people and you really shouldn't, you know, it really shouldn't be like that at all. No. Um, Yeah. And then all it'll do is when you go into your closet, you're just going to be stressed out about right can or can't wear and exactly what I want is for you to go into your closet and be excited and be happy about right. And what do I feel like wearing? And it honestly becomes a really easy process once you actually tap into what you want to wear. Because I think we all have like preferences every single day. I know some days I wake Mm -hmm. up and I'm like, the last thing I want to do is put on a pair of pants. You're a a girl. You know what it Mm is. Like sometimes when I say this to a guy, they're like, what do you mean? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, because you don't have the option of a skirt or a dress. Right. It's a completely different vibe and effort level. Sometimes I'm like, the last thing I want is like a constricting pant. Like I really want a dress or I want like a really flowy skirt. Exactly. Other days I'm like, no, I'm not really in the mood for like a dress Mm -hmm. or a skirt. I do want like a cool pair of pants. So even just in the moods that we wake up with every day, just naturally, Mm -hmm. like we naturally will have a preference every single day for kind of what 
feels good to our bodies that day. Right. So being able to take that preference and then going into your closet and being like, okay, if this is kind of what I feel like wearing and the weather is like this and this is how I want to feel, then let's start to right. piece together like a cool outfit kind of based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not common to want mm-hmm. to think about style in an easy way. I think it's common instead for us to feel overwhelmed by all of the rules and the do and don't and the mix this and mix that kind of rules. And I felt that before I read the book, I felt like there was a a huge, like kind of gaping hole in the style philosophy of like, where is it supposed to be intuitive? Where is it supposed to be easy? Where is it supposed to be natural to us? Because Mm -hmm. we can't go into our closets and refer to like a handbook every day to get dressed. Like right. we don't, who has the time and that's so <laughs> unenjoyable, even if we had the time. Right. So it was just really cool to think that I could offer something to the world and offer a new perspective that, you know what, it can be easy. And even then I know that there are like cool, um, like I know that there's the color seasons that you, mm-hmm. you can learn about what colors look good on you and which ones don't. And I don't think there's anything bad with that. I think yeah. the more the more we know, like the better. But I do think there's a fine line between reading it like as if it were, you know, the Bible, like being right. so strict and just completely restricted by that mm-hmm. instead of feeling empowered by that. Like I know I got my colors done a couple months ago and I know that I'm a winter, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I purposefully when I go into my closet like avoid certain colors I just kind of know which ones work better with me and ironically um they're usually the colors that people compliment on you so even that is intuitive like even you know which colors kind of look good on you and which ones maybe not so much and even then all colors it's just a color but it's the colors that people compliment on you a lot like I know when I wear like white or red or um, kind of those wintry, but mm-hmm. like contrasted colors. I'll, right. I always get like either Brett or Pato or my parents or my friends will say like, oh my gosh, that looks so cute on you. <laughs> like people kind of know and they can tell. So yeah. even then, like when I was writing the book, I honestly didn't think it was necessary. It's not necessary to know your colors to have good style. You don't need to. It know that to dress well because mm-hmm. if you really tap into the colors that you like that make you feel good that's what you should focus on regardless of right. this or that um so I think it's there's just a balance there's a balance with everything yeah yeah I I agree and that's like just just knowing yourself um yeah. and what you feel good in is, is what matters because it's like even if it might not be your colors, right? Um, yeah. You know, if you feel good in it, that's what that's what matters more than anything. So absolutely. And once I and even then, like within colors, once you learn about the color um, color analysis, mm-hmm. is that there's not just one shade of a color. Right. So everyone can wear all colors. They usually just tell you which shades are like better or not as good. So 
even then, like you said, like if you like the color, there's no reason to completely abandon it and not have right. it in your closet because you can absolutely make it work for you. And if it's a color that you enjoy, then maybe it's just a matter of like, okay, instead of like wearing a darker shade of pink, I'm going to wear like a lighter shade of pink. And then seeing how that makes like your skin kind of glow or your eyes pop a little more, your features pop a little more, but it's never about that, like black or white, yes or no, all or nothing. Like it's about finding those gray areas. And like you say, knowing yourself and knowing the colors that you love, because if you love a certain color, you absolutely should wear it. It's going to make you glow. Just the fact that you love that color. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely, um, it's definitely just knowing yourself, loving yourself enough yeah. to be able to feel confident in what you wear. Um, and then that, you know, that automatically brings out, you you know, you, like your personality, everything that all ties into your style as well. You know, like all of it encompasses, you know, who you are. Um, and yeah, and like you mentioned, it is a form of self-care because it's like, well, because people can see that. People can see if you're confident yeah. or not just with what you wear and, you know, and it, it also affects your mood. Like if you're going to be okay that day or not, you know, yeah. um, and being able to go into your closet and feel good about like what you have and what's there and not it be some stressful thing every day, because I know so many people yeah. struggle with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that'll just bring down your entire vibe if mm-hmm. you completely don't care about you know what you your clothes at the end of the day we have to wear them they have to be on your body you have to have something so yeah. why not love it and actually like look forward to it and feel beautiful and like you said it is like a form of also self-love is giving yourself the gift of saying you know what I am going to purposefully and mindfully put clothes on my body that make me feel like the best me that they're going to help me show up as my Mm -hmm. bestest self in the world and it is a Mm -hmm. form of caring for yourself I think that's why in you know shows and social media Mm -hmm. or things like that it's so common to depict like when a character is like depressed or sad Mm -hmm. they always with out fail show them in like super sloppy clothes right they're like completely disheveled mm-hmm. and when you take a moment to think about it why is that like why it's because I feel like we intuitively understand that link of like mm-hmm. when you're loving yourself and taking care of yourself you're also taking care of presenting yourself right. in a certain way and making sure that you look in a way that makes you feel good exactly. and when we're not giving ourselves that kind of love or care it mm-hmm. reflects instantly into like, you know what? I don't care about right. what I feel or how I'm feeling right now. I don't have the energy to care. So I'm also not going to care about what I'm wearing. Exactly. So yeah. it, it's, a, it's definitely very intricately tied. Mm-hmm. Our levels of kind of like self-confidence, self-love, self-affection with the care that we also put into how we look and doing it as a means of lifting our spirits and lifting our moods and feeling good about how we are taking care of ourselves and our bodies and, you know, what we're putting on our bodies essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It it just all ties together. And yeah, yeah, it's like, 
Yeah, and it, it it and like you mentioned, it is something that we've just kind of always seen, like represented in like TV and things like that. But it's like we don't always think about it, like on on a normal level. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, when you are depressed or whatever, you tend to not really take care of yourself, and that yeah. includes clothes. And you know, so obviously, you know, it all of that ties in with your mood, everything. And yeah, it's definitely something that, um, you start to be more mindful about, like, because that shows that it's like, Hey, okay. Like it's even showing outward, not just inward anymore. And so it's like, okay, I need to like, take the time to like fix what's going on because it means it's like now it's, it's an external thing too. And it's not just internal. So yeah exactly like it starts to actually flow out of you and and Mm -hmm. show into other aspects of your life and then it affects how you're showing up even for other people showing up in your relationships and in work career like everything I think it's underestimated the amount of importance that even though we may not think about it we don't think about it consciously when we see someone but I do think that we make tons of automatic judgments based on how a person looks and mm-hmm. that'll guide how we relate to them, how we treat them, especially until we actually get to know the person. Right. But at least on the initial for everyone that we meet, that's just a reality that the one thing that we have to go off of is how they're presenting themselves to us and what face are they given to the world. So if you're putting forth your best self, I feel like that gets reflected back to you in your relationships, in your career opportunities, in your love from others, the love you're getting, the love you're giving, because right. what you're signaling to the world and to the universe is that, you know, you're taking care of yourself and you are being your best self for the world and for yourself. And I think that's always a good thing to mm-hmm. reflect. And it's always something that will attract some good things to us because we are essentially putting like our best foot forward, you know, I say that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is because it's like when you, you know, present yourself as your best self, you project that to other people. We're literally mirrors for everybody. Like humans are mirrors. Like we are, you know, we are like, we literally mirror everybody. And so if we don't put our best foot forward, then we automatically project that out into the world. And then, yeah, yeah it, and it and it can attract either good or bad, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it's just something that we have to just really think about when we, yeah. when we, you know, do that. But yeah, like, I love that we talked about this. This is, this is something that normally like doesn't get talked about on podcasts, but it's like, I love it though, because it's, because it, I mean, it does come around full circle anyway, because yeah. it's like, you know, everything from your style to self-care to self-love, all of that is reflected, you know, just being a human in yeah. general. And yeah. it all ties into everything that you do, no matter what your career is, no matter what, you know, with family, friends, whatever, all of that ties in because it's like style is how you reflect all that. It's just a physical way of doing it. Like it's a physical way of showing your personality. 
Um, and I think when people are not showing their personalities and they're kind of hiding it, and like we talked about with social media, you know, yeah. people tend to hide who they truly are sometimes and they're not authentic, then, you know, that doesn't get portrayed. And so it's, yeah, and, and, and it can affect all different aspects of your life. So, yeah, I, and, you know, I think it's a, it's a conversation that, that definitely needs to be had because a lot of people don't really think about it. Yeah. It may, yeah, absolutely. I, and especially this, this conversation that we've had just further, like is highlighting to me how important it is to talk about this with women, because I Mm -hmm. feel like women's, especially we are so in tune with our bodies and we've been almost conditioned to really, really, really care about how we are presenting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Men as well, but it's a little bit different, I think, between, you know, each of the the, (laughs) the sexes. But for women with all of the, I mean, just the beauty and cosmetics industry, Mm -hmm. enormous and the biggest consumer across the board is women over men. Mm -hmm. So knowing that and that we conditioned or not place an importance on how we look and knowing that it does influence our mood and how we feel and that it's so intricately connected to the experiences that we attract to ourselves and we are putting our best foot forward. I just think it's so important to know to work with that knowledge. Like, okay, if truly my experience of the world and my mood and my personality are so tied to these little fabric things that we wear, it's all the more important then to be mindful about it and like choose wisely and choose mindfully what do we want to put on our bodies and how do we want to present ourselves because people will also judge us on that and Mm -hmm. we get to decide. It can be like easily you can just kind of like give up and be like, okay, I'm going to be judged anyway, like whatever. But I kind of come about it in a different way of like a place of empowerment that you get to choose. You have the power to guide people's, at least their initial judgments. The rest will be based on your personality Mm -hmm. and how you treat people and how you are. But at the very least, you are completely in control of dictating and influencing what a person's initial judgments of you will be, which will then dictate how they act towards you. Maybe even the opportunities that get presented to you. So it's very powerful and empowering for women. Like I do think it's a a, almost like a uh, specifically like female empowerment Mm -hmm. thing to say, I'm going to take control of my style. I'm going to dress the way that I want to dress and dress in a way that makes me feel good. Right. Um, And just kind of being mindful about it. And I know that that's been a common movement recently in women like dressing for themselves and really Mm -hmm. taking full responsibility for their style and what they're wearing, which I think is amazing. Um, But I think we also need to, really before we go all like gung-ho like I'm just gonna dress in whatever I want (laughs) to actually connect with what genuinely makes me feel good yeah like do I want to wear this just to 
prove a point or be kind of like, um, kind of like get attention or do I want to wear this because it makes me feel good and makes right. me feel confident and strong and beautiful. And that's what we need to use because I think it can be easy to kind of just get thrown into, I'm just going to wear the most extravagant, crazy thing because that's what's going to get me the most visibility. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be about that. It should be about what genuinely makes you feel amazing, like what genuinely makes me feel good. And for some people, it is going to be things that are more bold and loud and playful. Right. Maybe they have very like artistic and creative personalities and that's their outlet for them as well. Like our mm-hmm. clothes are a creative outlet. So, but maybe other people that are more kind of into uh, like, I guess people that are maybe more Zen or more like, you know, hardworking, balanced people that are kind of more like routine day to day stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to lean more into like, I really love neutral pieces that have right. cool structure to them that make me feel, you know, like a boss woman. Like that's mm-hmm. what I love. And then they lean into that. And it's all beautiful. It's all beautiful. Every single piece of style or different styles that people can have, it's all stunning. And I love right. them all. And it's so important that people actually tap into them because I think if everyone did that, we would be so amazed by how cool everyone would dress. I genuinely think we would go out mm-hmm. into the street and be like, I can't wait to see what people are wearing because everyone's going to look amazing. Everyone's going to look different. Yeah. Instead of going out and being like, literally everyone looks the same and it looks like a copy paste of, you know, your Instagram feed just everywhere you go. Right. Which is kind of what it's starting to be, which is really mm-hmm. sad. Instead of that, like it would be so awesome to one day step out into the world and see everyone dressed in a way that authentically reflects them that would just be the coolest thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Like it, the, the whole point of style is to not be the same. Like yeah. it's supposed to reflect your personality and and how you want to be represented in the world. But but yeah, like when you just see people all wearing the same thing, it's like it it kind of reminds me of Brave New World. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, like, I mean that that yeah. was literally what it was like if you've read the book you know it it literally was where you had certain people that dressed a certain way they acted a certain way and and then it's like you had these different groups and that's how all of them were but they all yeah. pretty much looked the same and it's like that's not well like we're not made to be the same we're all different yeah. human beings we all like different things so why are we trying to wear the exact same thing that other people are wearing like yeah. You know, if especially if it's not something that you truly like, you're just wearing it just because you saw it on somebody else. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's just, um, I, yeah, I think people just need to get creative and yeah. start and to start using their imaginations more. It's like we, we've become so, I don't know, like. I think, and I think a lot of it is when we become adults, we become very stagnant in our creativity sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so we tend to just be like, just do whatever's easy and just don't really want to think about stuff. It's just yeah. kind of like you get so stuck in like routines and things like that, that you don't, you're just like, I don't even want to think about it. I just want to hurry up, throw something on and go. But it's, like, if you would just even take, like, an extra five minutes. Like, you don't have to, like, take hours. Like, some people do, but, you know, but you don't have to take 
hours, but even if you just took an extra five minutes out of your day or even in the evening and plan your outfit out for the next day, like yeah. you'd realize like how much of a difference it would make, like even that five minutes that you take. Yeah, absolutely. So. And I think there's things that like little exercises you can do to kind of, like you say, spark that creativity. Mm-hmm. Like I know I love going on Pinterest to kind of spark my creativity, yeah. but Whereas a lot of people, they kind of go on Pinterest and they see an outfit that they like and they're like, okay, copy paste. Like I'll just recreate that. I really try to kind of gather a bunch of different ones that Mm -hmm. I like and just have them all in mind and then mix and match elements or like use that to come up with something similar, but different. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a really good exercise in creativity with outfits is exploring and looking at different cool options but not just picking one and being like okay I'm going to recreate this instead kind of picking like five or six different ones that you like and then you kind of start mixing in elements of each one but that ends up creating something that's authentically reflecting you or another thing that I love to do is when you look on runways or magazine shoots and you get ideas of like how the designers are styling their clothes and how they're portraying their clothes. And then that kind of starts to give you ideas of like, okay, how can I come up with cool ideas of how to style my own clothes? Like, um, before I went on my recent trips that I had, I saw, um, a runway show. I think it was Alaya and they had these super cool puffy like things on their wrists and it was huge. Obviously it's a runway. So everything's like exaggerated. Right. So whatever you see on there, you have to think, how can I make this more wearable? Right. (laughs) And they had these huge puffy things on their wrist. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that looks so cute. Like, I love that. Let me take that and kind of like rework it to something more wearable. And that ended up giving me the idea of on my ski trip, putting these like two little fur cuffs, together Mm -hmm. with a black dress and putting on like a fluffy hat and all of a sudden I had like a cool look that Mm -hmm. was born out of creativity but there has to be something that feeds that creativity which for me was that having seen that runway show so even just keeping our minds open to what we see and the beauty of what we see around us and getting inspiration from that or old movies. I love seeing old movies and how mm-hmm. people got dressed like back in the day. Right. It's the coolest inspiration. So just kind of keeping a mind open. And like you say, it's hard to exercise creativity because we are exhausted and we don't want to, and we're not used to doing it. So it did take me a while to become more creative with my outfits and what I wear. And even then it's a constant work in progress that I'm always thinking like, okay, how can I think of something new and cool and like how can I mix things together or things like that but even in the book I talk about a lot kind of once you understand how everything has a personality it'll help you being creative because instead of thinking about things of as a like this goes with this and this you start to think of like how can I mix things together that either have like similar personalities, like it'll kind of give off a similar vibe or two completely different ones that'll make a cool contrast, like a feminine top with like a really sporty bottom Mm -hmm. or something like that. You kind of start to get creative on your own, which is a goal of the book is to kind of spark that creativeness that we all have within us 
to be more creative and artsy with how we're getting dressed because it is kind of like an artistic outlet when you think about it is creating these looks that can make people feel things out of nothing or you know mixing and matching so it's definitely an exercise in creativity that is that's for sure yeah it is because in in this way our bodies are the canvas and so it's like yeah so it's definitely a way to be artistic um but instead of using paint or something like that or using clothes and yeah I love that I love that metaphor that's genius yeah Yeah. (laughs) you're so right yeah I don't know that just came to me I normally don't I don't know I just that I just thought about that I was like it makes so much sense yeah our our bodies are the canvas and when it comes to that and so it's like when you start mixing things together and stuff you're you are creating your own masterpiece, whatever yeah. it is. Um, yeah. And but obviously, it's something that you created because you've mixed and matched different things, yeah. and you know, and it's all stuff that relate to you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so cool. I love thinking <laughs> in that way because it's it's truly what it is. It's mm-hmm. creating and the art of creating, and it's all about tapping into ourselves because we can't really create things if we're not sure of who we are and our own identity because then what are we going to be creating if if anything we're just going to be recreating something that someone else created so to truly make our own like authentic creations we have to tap into who we are what we like what we're passionate about and that'll reflect on its own in what you create because no two minds are alike. I couldn't create what someone else would just like they can't create what I would create. That's the beauty of the creativity is that it's completely different for each person. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, oh my gosh. Oh, but this was so great talking to you. I love what we (laughs) talked about because it's like this, this has just been like a totally different podcast episode than normal but I love it because we've mm-hmm. talked about things that that can be encompassed in everything including motorsports but you yeah. know it's it's just something that a lot of women obviously it's mainly women that listen to the podcast yeah. like don't really think about and honestly it's something that um that we all should you know take into consideration when it comes to ourselves because Unfortunately, as women, sometimes we are the worst when it comes to self-care and self-love yeah. because we're always having to pour from an empty cup or we're always having to take care of other people, uh, always thinking about other people besides ourselves because that's what we've been conditioned to do forever, yeah. whether you have kids or not, it's just, yeah. or if you have a partner, whatever, we are always considered the ones that are supposed to dote on people and care for them but a lot of times we end up neglecting ourselves and so you know and that can even include you know how we show up you know in the world and so no I I love that we brought up this conversation because I think more women need to hear it and so no I thank you so much for (laughs) coming on I had so much fun it was incredible chatting and I completely agree. I think it comes full circle with, I mean, I think at the, at the root of it, your podcast is about empowering women Mm -hmm. 
And this conversation was about empowering women to be them their best selves. And like you said, dedicate some of that love and care, turn it to themselves and give themselves the gift of investing in themselves and their image and how they want to look and present themselves. And when we do that, I think, like you say, we start to fill our own cups mm-hmm. instead of just kind of be always dedicated to someone or something else. It's special when a woman can dedicate herself to herself. And we start to, we never stop giving to other people, but instead of giving from a lack, we're all of a sudden giving from an overflow of our cups, which is beautiful. And the goal of empowering women to do that. So I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, guys, so that's it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Elba. I know I did. Um, Honestly, after we stopped recording, we talked probably for at least another hour, two hours. <laughs> um, we were talking for quite some time. Um, she's, she's an amazing person, and honestly... Um, I would love to meet her in person. So I'm hoping that maybe I can make it to the IndyCar race at Barber in April. Fingers crossed. Um, Because hopefully I could possibly meet her there. Um, But yeah, so I will have all of Elba's social media links in the show notes for you guys to check out. Um, She's obviously on, she's on Instagram um, and she's on TikTok for sure. Um, But outside of that, um, that, it seems like that's about it unless, um, I miss something, but, um, the, all of that will be in the show notes. Um, also I will leave Pato's, um, social media links as well. So you guys can go support him, especially if you've never been an IndyCar fan. Um, definitely go check out his stuff. Um, you will see Elba in a lot of his posts as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they seem like such a great family to get behind, um, in the racing community. And so definitely go and support them if you can. Um, so guys, besides that, um, definitely if you are loving the content that we are putting out every week, um, share, share away. Um, if you see this on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, because those are pretty much the three that I stay on, share this with, with everybody. You know, I want as many uh, women in motorsports to have their stories listened to. So definitely share it. Um, if, and listen wherever um, on Spotify, Podbean, Apple, um, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, like we're on pretty much everything. And make sure that you rate and review on those platforms because that helps with the algorithm so more people can find the podcast. So, um, so yeah, guys, that is it for today. Um, either you are listening to this on a Monday, if you are a VIP, which means you are subscribed to our newsletter, um, or you're listening to this on a Tuesday, which Tuesday, February 27th is your girl's birthday. I am turning the big three, eight. So 38 years old tomorrow. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's weird because, having been on this earth for 38 years, um, 
I'm, I'm definitely extremely grateful for that. So, yeah, until then, guys, um, take care. Go out and manifest your best lives. And I will see you guys on Wednesday or Thursday whenever you hear the next episode. So until then, take care. Bye.